We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast, the first podcast of the 2017 NFL season where we're going to focus on the draft, the NFL draft, solely on the NFL draft. My name is Jeremy Stoltz, publisher of Bear Report, here with Bears insider Aaron Lemming. What's the good word, Aaron? Oh, man. Uh, just uh, every single time we do these, getting closer and closer to the draft. I think we're a little under a month away, so it's uh, it's getting close, and this should be the exciting time for Bears fans after uh, you know a little bit of a... I guess a lesser free agency. So, yeah, we talked about free agency last week. Not the uh, big splash free agency that a lot of Bears fans were hoping for. GM Ryan Pace did fill a lot of holes, but not with the premier players that a lot of people thought he was going to be able to land with the amount of money that he had. We talked a little bit about you know the, how that makes the team look and whether or not uh, uh, having a, a lame duck head coach is going to impact some free agents and, and their unwillingness to come here. But it is what it is. The Bears have. Uh, those fill-ins, but I don't think any player that the Bears uh, picked up in free agency is going to really impact the draft, particularly early in the draft, and uh, that particularly goes for the quarterback position. Another player that they added since our last podcast is Mark Sanchez, and uh, well, Aaron, you start. Well, I think this is pure, at least in my mind, just seeing what Dak Prescott has said and some of the the things that the Cowboys have said about him. I think this is purely a a competition for Connor Shaw with the third quarterback spot. You know, I know that Ryan Pace came out yesterday at the the general managers meetings and basically said something along the lines of, you know, Mark Sanchez is their number two quarterback. Well, yeah, of course he's their number two quarterback at the moment. I mean, we we haven't even hit the draft yet, but I think I think a lot of people are taking the Mark Sanchez signing a little too 
too much to heart. I, I understand it's been a tough offseason. I mean, like I said, I've like we talked about last week, I, I haven't really been a big fan of a lot of what they've done. But I mean, let's try to keep some perspective here. If if this is another team and Mark Sanchez signed to be their number two or number three quarterback, then you wouldn't automatically assume that that would rule them out of drafting a quarterback, especially when they need one. And I think that's really the position that the Bears are in. I think the Sanchez signing, uh, he's, he signed for $2 million, $1 million guaranteed. Okay, if he doesn't work out, you cut him. If Connor Shaw beats him out, you cut him. It's not – this isn't – I mean, the, and it kind of goes back with the Glennon thing too. I mean, you got to look at the money with these guys, and I think the money tells a big story with the quarterback situation as a whole, especially with Mark Sanchez. I mean, this is a guy that they could cut, and okay, $1 million, whatever. But if he does stay on the roster – uh, he's definitely not a starting quarterback anymore, but I, I think you can do a lot worse as your number two or number three. And I think the biggest thing that the Bears are trying to look for right now, and I think Ryan Pace kind of touched on that yesterday uh, with Mike Glennon, but I think it's more about the rookie, is having that veteran presence there. And I think that's really going to help them. Uh, you know, he's talked about really creating competition all over the roster. This isn't a creating competition move. I mean, this is a simple... You know, we're going to bring a vet in. This is somebody that Mike Glenn is 27 years old, but I mean, he's made 18 starts and he's still relatively young in terms of age and mentally as far as a starting quarterback goes. And I would still fully assume the Bears are going to take a quarterback high. I mean, just look at their draft, you know, all the draft visits so far. I mean, they've they've met with six quarterbacks uh, and, you know, four out of those six guys are the top guys in the draft. So I, I think when you really look at that, it kind of it. it kind of puts it in perspective a little bit but as far as the Sanchez signing I mean there's really nothing not to like about it uh, I think if this is anybody else then I don't think Bears fans would think too much about it I think Mark Sanchez kind of has a little bit of name value because he was a starter with the Jets and he's played in a, with a big market team but I mean this is strictly a depth guy this is somebody who is not even remotely guaranteed to make the roster if Connor Shaw plays like he did last preseason Mark Sanchez probably won't make it but I don't think this has any impact whatsoever on the draft rounds well, I, th <clears throat> I think your point about the contract is valid, and <clears throat> that's something to look at because when a million dollars is all you're guaranteeing him, for a 30-year-old quarterback, that's not much more than what he's going to get for the veteran minimum. So the, the investment is uh, minimal, especially with the amount of money that the Bears have. It's, they're not pressed against the cap. A million dollars isn't going to mean anything for them. So I do believe you're right. If they draft a quarterback or uh, if Connor Shaw immediately outplays uh, Mark Sanchez in uh, uh, during uh, – you know the the mini camps. Then, uh, sure they could they could drop Sanchez. The the one issue that I have is if they do go into training camp, say they draft a rookie, use one of their first two picks on a rookie. They go into training camp with Lennon, with Sanchez and Shaw, and that rookie, there's uh, that I've seen that happen where the Bears have gone into that first week of training camp, and that limits the amount of reps that those back end guys get. And I think those that's an important time, especially for a rookie quarterback or somebody like Connor Shaw, who, who missed uh, the entire regular season last year. So, uh, you know, I think there's a there's a risk of stifling some development there, especially if you do draft a high-end quarterback uh, going into training camp. Again, though, they might cut Sanchez, and it might not be an issue, or maybe Connor Shaw just doesn't have it in, in during rookie or, uh, uh, mini camps, and, and they cut him. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I do agree, though. This gives them some depth. It gives them some experience. And remember, Mark Sanchez, I mean, it was a while ago, but he has played in two AFC Championship games. So there is some uh, some experience there, some uh, some value in having having him in the locker room and him being able to impart some of that wisdom and some of that success that he did have a while ago. Uh, you know, Mark Sanchez isn't a bad guy. I think he'll be a, a decent locker room addition. And, you know, the money shows that he's not a long-term investment. So uh, you hope that they'll be able to figure the quarterback situation out early 
and uh, won't try and bring four guys into training camp and try to waste time doing that. Let's if they do bring a rookie in, draft a, uh, a quarterback early, uh, you know, figure it out early and get either Shaw or Sanchez, whoever it needs to be, get them out of there and only bring three quarterbacks to training camp. That's my only issue. Otherwise, it's not as big of a deal as a lot of people are making it. And I, in no way, we talked about this last week. Mike Glennon's not going to stop him from drafting a quarterback, so certainly Mark Sanchez isn't going to do it. So. Uh, I, I think this has kind of been people made a little bit more out of this than needs to be, and uh, you know, at the very least, it gives them a little more name, like you, like you said, a little bit more name value. All right, so let's moving on from the quarterback position from Sanchez, and let's talk about the draft. Let's talk about this first round draft pick. That's going to be the focus of this podcast. The Bears' number three overall pick, and there are basically two quarterbacks uh, that people consider worthy of that number three pick. Um, you know, as far as whether or not Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Watson are the the third best players in this draft, that's highly debatable. I don't think most people believe that. But with the value of quarterbacks today, it's not going to be a, it's not going to surprise anyone if the Bears choose to use that number three pick on one of those players. And the Bears may not may, may not have a pick uh, between those two guys. As it's uh, likely that the 49ers might pick one of those two quarterbacks. So. Uh, I'll let you start your your opinions on these two guys and which one that you would take if both are there. You know, I think this year's quarterback class is really interesting because in years past, and I think this is mainly the reason why, or I shouldn't say mainly, part of the reason why uh, this quarterback class isn't very very highly viewed. But you have, in my mind, four guys. You've got Mitch Trubisky, you've got Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, and Patrick Mahomes. Those are the the four top guys in my mind, and really. And this isn't you know a normal draft take, but this year alone, I feel like those are the only guys we're taking in this draft. And I, you know, like we've talked about, I'm higher on this this draft class than most at the quarterback position. But you have two guys, and you know, if we want to just talk about the top two, you got Mitch Trubisky, who I absolutely love. He's my number one quarterback uh, by a, a pretty decent amount, and I can understand why people are reserved about him. I mean, he's had 13 starts. But I think there's a lot to like with him, and I, I really think uh, I think he would be a good fit in almost any offensive system. But speaking of the 49ers, he reminds me a lot of Matt Ryan, and especially with Kyle Shanahan coming in, I mean, that could be a big pull for him. I don't know if they'll go quarterback. Uh, that's not really what we're talking about. But I think he would be somebody, if, the, if San Francisco goes quarterback at two, he would be my assumed pick there. But then you look at a guy like uh, Deshaun Watson, who if you look at him from a measurable standpoint and the ability standpoint, I mean, ultimately, he's probably the bottom four out of this, uh, you know, this top four group here. But his ability to win games, uh, even at the on the college level, I mean, in the biggest stages possible, I mean, that's that's got to have some value, and that's just something that you can't coach and really you can't measure. And I know people have made the argument that there's been many of uh, college quarterbacks who win that come into the NFL and don't do well, and I get that completely. But there's just something about Watson uh, with his leadership ability with just the way that he's able to take over games uh, that, I, I, that I really like. My biggest concern with him is I think he's got a pretty solid arm, but I don't think it's anything uh, you know too crazy, which isn't really a big deal. I mean, he's got enough arm to be able to make any of the throws. But my biggest concern with him is his style of play. The way that he played at Clemson, it was a lot like RG3 his rookie year with the Redskins, and we saw how that turned out. I mean, that really ruined his whole entire career. And that would be something that I would worry about with Watson. I mean, he's a little on the smaller side in terms of in frame. I mean, he's, what, 6'2", and he put on a little bit of weight at the combine, but I don't really think that's going to be something that he's going to play with. Uh, but, I mean, he's just, he's got it. 
is really what it comes down to. So I think, and I've I've been a big proponent of this, and I know a lot of people don't like this, and maybe it's may, I, I probably do have a bias. I mean, there's really no way around that, but. I just think if you're this high in the draft, I know a lot of people talk about next year's class. And it's every year it's the same thing. Okay, you know, some of these guys look really good right now, but it's worth reminding people that this time last year, when you're looking at the 2017 draft class, Deshaun Kaiser was in the conversation. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was in the conversation. Nobody even knew who Mitch Trubisky was. The two main guys were Deshaun Watson. He was the unquestioned number one, number one overall draft pick. Whoever gets a number one pick is going to take him. And then you had Brad Kaya. And Brad Kaya is the guy that, depending on who you talk to, is anywhere ranked from you know fifth in this quarterback class to ninth. So I think that fans need to be very careful taking that mindset of, okay, well, the Bears can just take one next year. And you know, assuming that they're going to have a pick that high is also very dangerous. So, I, And I'm not saying reach at a quarterback. I mean, it, it all depends. It's very subjective. Now, I have a certain board. And on my board, I have Mitch Trubisky as my number three overall prospect. But obviously, I'm not a you know I'm not a paid talent evaluator, and that's just my personal opinion. Now the Bears are going to have a different board than any of the guys that you're going to see online. Now, any anybody that puts out something, the Bears aren't going to have that same way. So I think when you look at the value of a position and you look at the value of what's taken, usually quarterback and defensive lineman and pass rushers are the main guys taken in the top five. And I think that's really what it's going to come down to. And I think to a certain extent, uh, you know, just kind of doing a little bit of research today with their draft visits, I think Ryan Pace has actually had some interesting trends his first two years. And those would be one that his first round pick is somebody that he has met privately with, whether that be a workout, whether that be a private meeting, uh, that is somebody that he has met with. And the other thing that I, or that, that he's drafted, and the other thing that I've noticed too is that usually the position that he drafts is something that he goes deep into. I mean, when you look at visit sheets like this year, for example, the Bears have met with six quarterbacks. And granted, it's still very early. Running backs at five, wide receivers at four. But let's say that quarterback list continues to grow. Uh, you know, that would be a trend. Like last year, they met with Leonard Foy. They met with a whole bunch of pass rushers. The year before, they met with a ton of receivers. And I think... Obviously, that's kind of piecing things together little by little. But, you know, going off of something like that, that would lead me to believe they're at least considering quarterback more than what's being led on to right now. But honestly, I, if it was me and like I said, I'm a little higher on this quarterback class than most. I mean, any of the top four guys, even a Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's somebody that's probably going to have to sit for a year, which is very ideal when the Bears situation uh, I would be happy with any of these guys at three. I really think that this is going to be a better quarterback than most quarterback class than most people think. But uh you know, I th- I, that's just where I'm at. I, if it was me, I would take a quarterback. Obviously, that may change what San Francisco does, but I don't see them taking a quarterback. And if you've got the pick of the, the top four guys, why not? If San Francisco does take Trubisky, do you take Sean Watson? Well, um, <clears throat> see, that's, that's, that, that would be a good question because then, at least on my board, when I'm looking at Deshaun Watson in terms of grades, he's about seventh versus a guy like Solomon Thomas that I have at two, and I would assume that he would be available. So... Then at that point, yeah, it would be a little bit more tricky. But my my biggest concern with what the Bears would do at quarterback is let's say you just take Solomon Thomas at three or somebody at three that's not a quarterback. Now you're risking trying to get back into the first round or waiting for one of those guys at 36. And that's something, at least to me, that would be a big concern because we saw what happened last year. And, you know, I had this on good authority from two different sources. They tried trading up. Uh, for Hunter Henry in the first round, or sorry, the, in the top of the second round, and it couldn't happen. So, you know, fans like to, and I do it a lot too, you know, they like to say, oh, well, let's trade up, let's trade down, let's do this, let's do that. 
but in the reality of the, of the situation, the value's got to be there, and you have to have a team willing. So if you don't take a quarterback at three, granted you have one rated somewhat high, then you're really putting yourself in a position to miss out on those top four guys, and then you're looking at a lot more of an unsure picture at that point. Well, I, I agree with you in theory, and I, and I think that that is a risky play. But <clears throat> if you look at Mike Lennon, and specifically in Mark Sanchez, I think Pace has left himself an out. In, in adding that depth, that quarterback, in case that scenario does play out. And I think you don't, if you are dead set on Trubisky or Deshaun Watson, why even bother wasting a million dollars on Mark Sanchez? You know you're going to be able to get one of those two guys. So you, you know that, you know, there's going to be no need for Mark Sanchez eventually, especially if you think Connor Shaw can slip down on the practice squad again. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. I think there is some risks there, but I, I think it might be a risk that, that Pace is setting himself up to take. Uh, because personally, I, I know that you, you like Trubisky as the number three overall pick. I don't like any of these quarterbacks, even really in the top ten for me. Uh, as far as just the their overall skill set, but when you add in the the, uh, the value of quarterbacks in the NFL, I understand why uh, you, you know you have you have them that high. But I don't I don't know if, if Pace does. I just think that the the Sanchez signing in, in a way it, it's not going to stop them from drafting a quarterback. And if they love Watson, hey, they're probably going to go up and get him. If Trubisky falls, uh, they, they're going to go get him. But I, I don't know. I think maybe they're hoping that Trubisky falls. And they'll take him, and then they can dump Sanchez. If not, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't like Watson. Like you said, you know, in terms of pure skill set, Watson isn't uh, elite. You know, he doesn't have an elite arm. He doesn't have elite accuracy. Uh, you know, the guy wins, and he has good athleticism, and he can run, and he can make plays. And and, and you know, he he makes his biggest plays when the games in the game's biggest moments. He beat an Alabama defense that was essentially an NFL defense in the championship game. So he's shown what he can do. I mean, I think there's a lot of upside with Watson, but. You know he's a big risk. I think, like you said, Trubisky is probably the better option there, and there's a good chance Pace sees it as well. So Trubisky falls. I think that might be his guy, and if not, he's going to take that risk, and he's going to you know see if maybe uh, he can get Mahomes or Kaiser in the second round, or maybe he loves Webb out of Cal. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a guy you know in that second tier that he just absolutely loves and feels confident with, and if if you know he can't get Trubisky at three. Uh, he, he might feel comfortable being getting a little risky now. If if that happens, and then he's not able to get that mid tier guy, then I, you'll fall back on Sanchez. But man, I I, it, I think that's a worst case scenario. I think that if that does happen and, and Pace walks out in the first two rounds without a quarterback, I think he failed. And a lot of people are going to disagree with me. And like you said, a lot of people think that the 2018 draft is really good at quarterback, um, so they'd be willing to to accept that. I don't think you're really going to be counting on much if you go for a third-round quarterback, to, you know, unless somebody really good drops all that far. Um, you know, because outside of the first two rounds, I don't know how big of an impact player you're going to get at the position. How, if he doesn't get a quarterback in those first two rounds, how you know, going into that uh, third round, how would you be feeling? Yeah, that, I mean, that's and that's kind of what I've been thinking is if they don't grab one of those those guys. Then what? I mean, and that's the thing is the way I have it stacked out personally, what I think is going to happen is I think those top four guys are going to go in the first round. And then you're going to see somebody like Davis Webb, who I personally have a third round grade on, going in the second round. And I could see Peterman going in the second round as well. Granted, I don't know if seven quarterbacks or six quarterbacks would be taken that high. But, yeah, they put themselves and that would be a very awkward situation because the way I look at Glennon – the more and more I thought about it, because I absolutely despise the signing. I mean, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I I 
I hated it. I, and I still, I'm not a big fan. I've tried convincing myself. And I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I mean, I don't wish this guy, you know, to fail at all. But my thing is, my biggest concern right now would be that they end up with somebody like a Peterman or a Kaya in the in the third or fourth round, and then that's that's a quarterback battle. Because realistically, at least in my mind, and granted this is just purely my evaluation, I don't see that as an upgrade over Cutler. Obviously, they need to get rid of Cutler, but I think the ultimate goal should be to try and upgrade. So with that being said, I think with signing Mike Glennon, he's a one-year thing. You know, at, at, at very worst, he's a one-year thing. So I think personally what what Ryan Pace is doing is setting himself up to basically take two shots at the quarterback's position. He took no shots in the first two years. Now he's setting himself up to take two shots. Obviously, one with Glennon and one with a rookie. And, obviously, you know, if you get a guy that ends up having top ten production, whether it be the rookie or Glennon, it's not going to matter what happened elsewhere. But – yeah, I mean, they're going to be in a tough position, and that's that's kind of the downside right now. Is it, It's almost kind of funny to think about because I tracked and tracked and tracked. Every week I'm looking at the strength of schedules, you know, this and this and this, seeing how high the Bears can pick, you know, and then it's like and as soon as they landed that number three-year-old pick, it's like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is a great position to be in. But now I'm looking at it, and, and it's like you said. It's like, does, does Pace even have these guys graded out to take a three? And if he doesn't, then it's like, what you know, what if – what if he has a you know a, a six or seven uh, you know slot pick on the guy instead, and he has let's say a Solomon Thomas or a defensive back or even a, and a Jonathan Allen, and that's it. Kind of makes you wonder, you know. Obviously, I think trading down would be in a very ideal scenario, but like we just talked about it, that's something that's not very realistic to expect to always happen. You have to get that value, um, and obviously, if that value was to come, I would not have any issue with that at all because realistically, there's probably only going to be one quarterback taken even if you trade back, let's say, 10, as long as you're in front of the Browns. But there's just there's so many, there's so many different ways that this can go, and quite frankly, I, I think Ryan Pace is, he may have put himself in a position where he's not forced to go a certain direction, but I don't personally think he's put himself in the best position possible to take a quarterback especially if he decides to pass on one at three well i i, I think you're right about you know, I, let it being just a one one year option i don't i don't see him as a long-term option and obviously sanchez isn't a long-term option so if you don't get a top tier quarterback or at least you know in, in the first two rounds you know, for a guy who might be entering, you know, whose seat is getting hotter as it goes along, Ryan Pace. I don't, I don't know how if his seat is as hot as John Fox's, but man, that you know, that's going to be making him sweat going into the season, knowing that you know, you really are. Then you really are 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 putting all your your chips, you know, all your eggs in Mike Lennon's basket, and that's that's a that's a scary basket. So I, I we'll see how risky he feels. My the one thing. The, the one positive I could see coming out of that situation is if he does not get a quarterback, if let's, let's say you're right. He doesn't, you know, he has those guys, you know, and his, if he's really going to go by his best player available mantra, he has, you know, Trubisky at say 10th overall, doesn't want to take him. And then, like you said, maybe the guys that he likes in the second round get, get drafted in the first round and, and he has to take a BPA again at the, in the second pick, that's really going to uh, disappoint a lot of fans. But the alternative there is he's probably going to get two d- stud defensive players. You know, if if you think that uh, you know whether you like Solomon Thomas or Jonathan Allen or, or Jamal Adams, and we'll talk about all those guys soon. Uh, you know, there's a legitimate chance that all three of those guys or any of those 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 top defensive players who might be a quality pick there at number three, those are all guys who have the the real possibility of becoming all pros 
Pro Bowl players, impact players their first season. Now, if you look at the depth of the secondary and look at the depth of the pass rushers in this year's draft, if he doesn't, let's say you, you go that route in the first and then you don't want to take that quarterback in the second, you don't think the value is there, then you're probably going to get another legit defensive starter who can impact the the, uh, the defense right away his first season. So in that scenario, let's say they do, you know, let's say he he loves Taya and Taya's there in the third and he's able to still get a quarterback then you've got your quarterback who might not be just a little bit more risky than, say, Mahomes or Peterman, you know, or, or one of those guys. I mean, you, you, the, the amount of risk there when it starts getting into that second-tier guys, there's a lot with each one. And I don't know, you know, the, the difference in risk is very minimal, in my opinion. So, you know, it, maybe he says, hey, let's stock up on stud defensive players and we'll just take a risk. It was going to be a risk with this guy at number two. Let's just take a similar risk at number three instead and hope we hope we land it. If not... You know, we got Mike Glennon, 27-year-old, who might be able to do something. I know, I know you don't think he's going to be able to do something, but, uh, you know, it, it's a better option than Mark Sanchez. So uh, I don't know if, how disappointed I would be depending on who they got with those first two picks, but I think if he can walk out of there with two legitimate defensive studs, that would, uh, you know, d- defray some of that pain that, that a lot of Bears fans feel. Uh, correct, or do you disagree? No, I, I definitely agree, and that was and that's kind of the that's kind of the other edge of the sword here is the fact that okay, let's say that they don't take a quarterback at all. Let's just let's just completely throw a quarterback out the window, which is completely against my philosophy of how you build a good team. Obviously, got to have the quarterback, but let's just say that they just want to go best player available, and and that's kind of the thing is you look at is out of outside of the first round because I mean we've already mentioned those guys and we can talk about those a little bit more, but look at the secondary pieces I mean that are probably going to be there I mean I have I'm, I'm counting right now I've got six corners that I have first round grades on and then I look at safeties and I've got four safeties that I have three safeties that I have solid first round grades on and one that I have a first and second so let's just say uh, come 30 you know pick 36 they've got uh, a Marcus Williams out of Utah a Jarrell Peppers out of Michigan and an Obi Melifonwu I mean these are all safeties and then you go and you look at the corners and let's say a Quincy Williams and a Kevin King and uh, a Tredavious White is there I mean that, that's in most draft classes that's first round talent I mean these are guys especially in the secondary when you look in the secondary these are guys that can come in day one and make an impact I mean and that's something that I think we've been so used to seeing Especially at safety over the last, oh man, I don't even know how long, probably five or six years when you really look at the draft classes, there's usually that one or two guys you like, you know, if you're going to get a safety, that's who you want to get. But this year, I mean, they have, there's just so many talented options ranging anywhere from, you know, the first round to the fourth round, which kind of leads me into the discussion, at, you know, with the third overall pick. I, I don't see I, I like Jamal Adams and I like Malik Hooker. But when you look at safeties, I mean you talk about value and there's a reason that a safety has not been taken higher than fifth in over twenty years. I it's just, there there's a reason behind it and the value, even though the value of safety's gone up monetarily and you know, just on the field in general, but there's a reason that these guys aren't getting taken high. And then you can look at a guy like Marshawn Lattimore, who's a very good cover corner, and I think he could probably be probably be one of the better corners that have come out in the last few years. But he's one of those – it's almost like a Bears special. Like he's that one guy that they would draft that would just have nagging injury issues. And that's they, – they already have that issue. So that kind of concerns me. So you start looking at the value of, of 
the secondary in general, and it's like, man, you can get really good starting caliber players in the second and third round this year, and I don't think you've really ever been able to say that about the secondary class in general. So it, they're in a good position. I mean, either way, but if they don't take a quarterback, and honestly, if they don't take a quarterback within the first three or four rounds of the draft, I'd rather not even see them waste a pick on it. But, I mean, if you're talking about guys in the secondary and the defense as a whole, I mean, this is a very strong defensive draft whether you look at the secondary whether you look at the line whether you look at pass rushers uh you know they this would be the year that they would really be able to get that defense from what 12 or 13 and you know firmly into the into the top 10 range and they'd finally be able to get some good defensive backs which they really haven't had in a while yeah and i think when you when you're considering that that scenario you could say well we can add these defensive studs and Really hope that the defense can carry us because are any of the is is Mitch Trubisky next next year if he's there is he going to be better than uh, you know is he going to offer more than what Mike Glennon could offer you uh, maybe Trubisky's not the best example because long term he probably could but you know with any of those mid, second second tier guys are any of them going to give you more than what Mike Glennon could give you because he's, Glennon's only twenty seven got the arm got the size I mean what how much better are any of those guys going to be right away especially. So, you know, who's, what's, how much value you're going to get for your dollar? And I think when you, you know, when you talk in those first two rounds, defensive players are probably going to be your best value, especially if Trubisky is gone uh, with that third overall pick. I do think that he's the guy, though. If he's there at number three, they're probably going to go that route. But I think everything changes if the 49ers decide to take him. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, how they, how, how great they feel about Brian Hoyer in San Francisco. I don't think that's going to stop him from taking a quarterback, but, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do think if Trubisky is the guy, they're going to go that route. Uh, but if not, I, I think you're right. I think they're probably going to look to either Solomon Thomas or Jonathan Allen. Uh, so why don't we move on, you know, move to that, move in that direction and just talk about those two pass rushers. Because I think you're correct. You know, when you look at the depth in this draft, at the, in the secondary, you know, to me, to my in my mind, Jamal Jamal Adams is a sure thing, and I wouldn't have any problem with them taking him. But like you said, safety is not the the impact position that you know. It's very rare for a safety to to, to be the stud of your defense and to have that 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 uh, the impact that a pass rusher could have, um, or even a lockdown corner could have. So you know, it would be surprising if they took a safety. I wouldn't have a problem with Adams. I'm not as big on Hooker. I think some of his open field tackling issues uh, would be troublesome. But you know, they're like you said, they're gonna they could get into the third round and still be getting starter caliber corners and safety. So there's really no reason to take a huge risk. Like with Lattimore, who who I think he only played what three four games his first two years at Ohio State because of those hamstring injuries. Eventually, he had to have surgery. So you know that's that's scary. That's a lot of risks there, and I, you know there's but there's risk with Jonathan Allen and Solomon Thomas too. So let's talk about those two guys. If both are there, who's your guy? Oh, Solomon Thomas, easy. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people on Twitter think I, I'm a Jonathan Allen hater. I'm really not. I, I like Jonathan Allen, but I like him in a ten to fifteen range. And the reason why I say that is because with a with a guy like Jonathan Allen, I see. I've seen Akeem Hicks type player, you know, the way Akeem Hicks played last year, I think that's Jonathan Allen's ceiling. He's going to be very good against the run. There's no doubt about that, and that has value. But my my biggest question mark with him is how is his pass rushing ability going to be able to transfer to the NFL? And quite frankly, from what I've seen, it's not bad. But I just think a lot of what he does is not really going to work in the NFL, and I think a lot of the damage that he was able to do as a, as a pass rusher came – from the interior i mean a lot of what he did 
uh, you know, came from really the the A gap. I mean, and that's just kind of that's a little bit of a concern for me. But even more than that, even more than my concern with Jonathan Allen's pass rush is just the fact that I think Solomon Thomas is an amazing player. I, I think he, he he's had some inconsistent production. I think a lot of people didn't really know about him until probably around December or January. But I mean, this is a guy that he's what six three and he's right around 275 pounds now it seems a little light uh this guy's lean he's a lean muscle guy i mean he he can easily put on 10 or 15 pounds i mean jonathan allen went from 265 to 285 in his senior year it's not i mean jonathan allen came in as an outside linebacker and he was a receiver in high school i mean this isn't it can happen i mean these guys are, are paid to do a certain thing i mean we saw it with uh, leonard floyd i think you know he's put on a little bit of weight it can happen so but my thing with solomon thomas is the fact that his his ceiling at least in my opinion is not much lower than miles garrett now i don't know if he'll reach that ceiling i think miles garrett's a much safer pick and i think he's probably going to be the you know ultimately he'll probably be the better nfl player but i think solomon thomas has the ability when you look at him he can play three tech he can play five tech he can play seven tech. So I mean, you can put him in either you know a, a defensive end at either uh, you know in either front. You can put and slide him inside if you're not really comfortable with him as a you know as a defensive end in a four three. And I think he's got the athleticism and he's he's right around the same uh, right around the same weight right now as Pernell McPhee. I mean, you could probably put him as an outside linebacker. I think he gives you a lot of versatility. And this is something that I've said before is that if your defensive coordinator, regardless of what front he's running, whatever he's running, if your defensive coordinator cannot find a way to get Solomon Thomas on the field for 60 to 70% of the snaps, he probably shouldn't be a defensive coordinator. This is how versatile this guy is, and this is how strongly I feel about him. And I, I get that not everybody feels the same. Everybody interprets film differently. Everybody has a different evaluation. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, he's my second highest rated player in terms of who I have overall. Miles Garrett's my first. But if they're going defense and he's on the board, I would I would freak out. I mean, he's like I said, he's I, I love him. I, I think he can be an Aaron Donald type player and have that impact year one. Uh, he's a little bit more of a risk than Aaron Donald, I'd say. But I think his uh, I think his ceiling's higher. My I, I agree with a lot with what you said. My, my biggest issue is I don't think he can play five technique, and I think that on film when I studied him. The, I don't expect guys to be able to just... I mean, the elite, elite players can blow up a double team, all right? I don't expect them to be able to do that every time, but Solomon Thomas doesn't handle double teams well. A lot of times he gets his, he gets his body turned, and he, a lot of times you'll see him just get entirely turned away from the line of scrimmage, and that allows the you know that, that, uh, that double team to one guy to slip off to the linebacker. I just don't think he has the... the the strength at the point of attack to really anchor in the way that, like we talked about with it, Akeem, uh, Akeem Hicks, you know, Akeem Hicks in my mind is is more your your five technique. Where I agree with you, I think Solomon Thomas can play on, at the outside linebacker position, and I, I think that if, like you said, I, you know, he's 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 talented enough where Vic Fangio is going to be able to utilize him. But I think his be, use, utilizing him means putting him on the edge, maybe an, an, uh, an outside linebacker in base sets. And then putting him at three technique or as a as a uh, hand in the dirt defensive end in those sub packages when the Bears use a four three uh, over set. So I, I think you know he's versatile, but I don't think he's versatile enough to play five technique. That's really the only uh, area where I differ from you with Solomon Solomon Thomas. Um, the other issue that I have is we haven't seen him play a ton in space. He didn't really do a whole lot of that. 
at Stanford. So, uh, you know, we don't exactly know what he could do, but I do think he's athletic enough to, to be able to play out there. I, I, I think you're right. I think he is one of the elite talents in this draft, and I, I, I wouldn't have an issue uh, with the Bears taking Solomon Thomas, but uh, in my mind, I don't know. I, I just think a lot of people have soured on Jonathan Allen. I understand that, especially after the, the, the arthritis uh, in his shoulders that was revealed at the Stouting Combine. That's definitely a concern. But I don't see it being a concern over the next four or five years. Um, you know, I, I don't know many people whose arthritis start, you know, flaring up and, and really hurting them in their early 20s. So, I, I, you know, that might be a, a long-term concern. But, I mean, in today's NFL, if you can get five good years out of a guy, then I think you've done pretty well. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried about that. I, I, the film still, to me, shows... Uh, an extremely disruptive player and, and you, you know you talked about uh the success he had from that uh you know rushing from the one spot or the zero spot I, to me that's not a negative i mean I, I like a guy who can push a pocket in the face of a quarterback and if you you know you mentioned compare him to akeem hicks would it be nice to have two akeem hicks on the, on the defensive line especially if you can get some edge pressure with with mcphee and floyd uh to me that's not a bad thing i think jonathan allen has a, a the Ability to penetrate, the ability to be... I mean, how many tackles for loss did he have last year? A ton. Um, my, my biggest concern is the fact that he did play in a defense where there was a ton of talent and he didn't. He wasn't the focal point of opposing offenses. I think he would be uh, in, in Chicago's defense. But, you know, he's a talented enough player to overcome that. And I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with either guy, honestly. And I think you make a good point about the secondary and not wanting to overreach when you can really get a lot of talent in the second and third rounds. So, I, honestly, I think it comes down to either Trubisky or one of these two... Defensive lineman. Now, here's my question for you. If all three are there somehow, I mean, if somehow all three are there, which one do you take? Oh, I think by default I'm going quarterback. And that, that pains me to say, and that's, man, that's why I'm glad I'm not a, G, a GM. <laughs> because, like I said, I love Jonathan or, uh, Solomon Thomas. And just to add a, a little bit to your point here, I think where, I mean, there's no denying that Jonathan Allen's a good player. And I think where my concern with Allen comes in versus somebody like you you know who really likes him is the fact that I think you see a higher potential as far as a pass rusher than I do and that and, and that's really that's where the where evaluations become so subjective because I could be 100% wrong I, and this is just what I'm seeing and that's just what you're seeing so and you know like you asked you know it would be really nice to have two Akeem Hickses on the line now my question would be to you is that somebody who's worth a third, you know, the third overall pick, or am I just having too high a standards right now? I can't really tell. No, no, and you make a good point. As you were talking and comparing him to Akeem Hicks, I was thinking, if Akeem Hicks was in this year's draft, where would I take him? Probably, like you said, you know, in that fifteen range that you talked about for Jonathan Allen. So yeah, he's. I mean, when you're looking at. At pure talent, I don't. I don't know if he is. I mean, if I'm looking at best player available, I'm not sure if Jonathan Allen is that guy. Honestly, I think Jamal Adams is is probably the second best talent in this draft. But um, you know, I, I, we talked about the depth in the secondary, and, and if and if you know Trubisky's not there, and they don't like Watson, I you know if it, if it's between Thomas and and Allen, um, I don't think you can go wrong. But uh, I don't know if I, I I I'd I'd probably take Allen, but. Again, either way, you're getting, you're getting an impact defensive lineman right away. So uh, if all three of those guys are there and you, you have to take one, you're probably not going to uh, make a wrong selection. But I do agree with you. I think that <clears throat> at this point in the process, um, we're kind of starting to catch up with maybe some of the NFL teams have been evaluating these guys all along. And uh, I think Thomas has been a little bit higher on their boards 
than, than it has been for some of the so-called experts. And, uh, you know, we're just finally starting to catch up. And, and now I think you're right. It, it, you know, I think Vic Fangio is probably drooling over the opportunity to get his hands on Solomon Thomas and see what he can do with them. And, uh, and I think he could do really good things with them. And, if, and I think Fangio's shown with Leonard Floyd that he's, he's willing to be a little bit creative to move guys around and try and, you know, utilize them to the best of their abilities. Fangio has the experience doing that. And I think he's the right defensive coordinator to, to, to get the most out of a guy like Solomon Thomas. So I think it would be a great pick. I do think that he's, he's probably right up there. I mean, if I had to, if I, somebody put a gun to my head and said, you know, say who you think the Bears are going to take, I, I think it would be Thomas. But I do think that's only if Trubisky is taken by the 49ers. I think it, I think it probably goes Trubisky and then Thomas. I think those are the top two guys. And, uh, and one of those guys is going to be playing for the Bears next season. Yeah, no, and I agree. And one other question I had for you, and this is something I've been kind of asking everybody, and this is something that I've noticed. Uh, now, when you look at the draft and when you look at, I, I think personally, Miles Garrett is far and away the best player in this draft. I think he's got a very high ceiling. Absolutely love the guy. Won't hit three, so it's not even really worth talking about. But when you look at, let's just say, two through nine, two through ten, as far as you know how you would rank these guys on your board, is it just me or outside of Miles Garrett? I mean, there's a lot of good talent in this draft, but I feel like from that pick two to pick ten range, you could really kind of mix and match a lot of these guys. There doesn't really seem to be that other standout talent. Like, we, we just spent, what, ten minutes talking about Jonathan Allen and Solomon Thomas, who would be the better player. I mean, normally in drafts, you would have your set defensive lineman that's going to be your number one guy, and we don't really have that this year. Do you Have you noticed the i guess the drop off from garrett i mean it's still good talent but i don't really see any uh really any surefire pick that would that would say hey pick me at two or pick me at three no i think you're right and i think it's that's why everybody talks about the the bear why the bears should trade back i think it's because you know from two to like you said two to nine you can make a chase for any one of those guys and i don't think the drop off in talent from two to nine is that huge and i think if the bears can find a way to move back they they should do it but on the other end of that, all the other teams know that. They know that, you know, what's the point of moving up, you know, from 7 to 4 when or 7 to 3 when, you know, I'm still going to get probably the same caliber of player at that position. So I don't know how willing other teams are going to be to move up to that number 3 spot. The one scenario where I could see is if, say, Trubisky does fall or the Bears can find a team who's in love with Deshaun Watson and, and they, and they want to move up from one of those quarterbacks. But... I don't know if either one of those guys has, is the type of player that you move up and you you know you uh, you dump you waste a bunch of picks for. I, I just don't I don't know if there's going to be a team out there. Now you never know you never know what's going to happen on draft day, and that's what makes the draft so fun because we there's always trades that we don't account for at this point, and they just shake up everything. And you basically all this talk that we're having now, the Bears make one move and it's just thrown out the window. So that's why the draft is great. You never know who might be able to do it. So pace if pace can 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 do it and move back, yes, by all means do it. I mean, I know that the uh, the Jesmu, uh front office has talked about the the fact that they want to move back as well. But I don't know if you know if you're going into the season, uh, you know, into a make or break season. In New York, I, I, I don't know if the quarterbacks that they have right now are the type that you want to really risk your season on. So if, if Trubisky does fall, you get the Jets on the phone and say, hey, here's your here's your franchise quarterback. Give us a second and a third rounder, and then you go from there. I think that's the ideal scenario for Pace. I just, like you mentioned, you've got to, you've got to be able to find that, that partner, and you have to get right uh, correct value. Otherwise, it's not worth it. So I, I don't, I, I'm not expecting it to happen, but I do. I, you're right. I, do, I think if that... 
if if you can find a trade partner and get back into that 10 range, you do it in a heartbeat because the drop-off there in talent isn't that huge. You, like you said, you have Jarrett, and then you have a bunch of number twos that uh, you can really make a chase for any of them. So I, I want Pace to trade back, and I think that's a lot of, a lot of what, what people have talked about. I hear, I hear it on Twitter. I hear it on the Bear Report message boards. If you can do it, man, that's going to make a lot of people happy, and it's really going to set them up. You know, second and third, you get a second and a third in this year's draft. We talked about the talent in the secondary and the cornerback. Imagine getting, you know, two starting lockdown cornerbacks or, or a corner and a safety and two edge rushers. I mean, the possibilities there are really exciting. So, I, Pace has shown in the past couple drafts, his first two drafts, he's willing to move around. Made a lot of dra- uh, trades last year. What, it, was it three total trades he made last year, correct? Yeah, he had the one in the first and then, what, two in the second, right? Yeah, yeah. he moved back twice in the second. And oh, wait, it. and Kwiatkowski, too, is a four. Uh-huh. So four, and he and that second that second round last year, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he was able to do and still uh, landing one of the best offensive linemen in the draft and Cody White here and accumulating two extra picks in the process. That was a thing of beauty by Pace last year. So, you know, he's got some experience doing it. He's shown a willingness to do it. So don't be surprised. You know, he's definitely going to be feeling a lot of phone calls uh, when it's uh, his turn to pick there in the number three overall pick. Going to be a very exciting time, guys. Um, a lot of you know this. What happens here in the near future and, and even in the long term is going to be based on on that first pick and the impact that player is going to be able to have. And uh, you know the, both the, the 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 longevity of Fox and Pace will be at risk. Uh, you know as far as their careers in Chicago go, with how they're able to execute with that first pick. Really big pick for uh, a team that has only won nine games over the last two seasons combined. They need that impact player, whether that's a quarterback, uh, pass rusher, or in the secondary. they got to do it right. they got to land that correct player. And if that's Trubisky, if that's uh, uh, Allen or Thomas, I mean, whoever it is, it has to be the right guy, and then they can start to move on and move forward. So big, big, big draft coming up. That's our talk here for that first round. As we move here over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start talking about those mid-round guys. Looking at some of the uh, late-round guys as well and some of those sleepers that to keep an eye on as we get into the late rounds. But that'll do it for here this week at the Bear Report Podcast. Thanks for listening to us. Be sure to subscribe to the Bear Report Podcast on iTunes. Uh, be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. Follow me at Bear Report. Come talk to us on the Bear Report message boards. Check out all our content on the Bear Report Facebook page. And we hope you come back and listen to us next week. Have a great week, guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.